When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show, one that is brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show. appreciate their support and I thank you for your support as well in tuning into this podcast, one where we're going to be talking about the upcoming NBA draft, how it pertains to the Chicago Bulls and specifically looking at a couple prospects which I know Bulls fans are most certainly uh, doing their own evaluations of. I know I certainly am for you know pick number four, who we expect to be available there for, for, for the Bulls at number four. And for this specific part, I want to focus on Killian Hayes and I also want to look at Denny of Dio. I think they're probably the most, uh, at least probably the most feasible options based on the current mock drafts as to who will be available at the Bulls at number four. So I wanted to talk about all those guys and dive into those specific players in more detail. And here to help me do that is Corey Tulliba. Corey, how are you, mate? I'm I'm fantastic. Uh, thank you for having me. You know what? If uh, Anthony Davis didn't hit that last shot, I'd probably be doing a little bit better. But you know, pretty good, pretty good considering. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. I wasn't into this into this Lakers Nuggets series at all. I assumed the the Lakers would would win this pretty easily, and it looked like for maybe 45, 40, 44 minutes of this game too. That's that it was going to sort of shape up that way. But then Jokic just did some Jokic things and got the Nuggets back in, got them in the lead. But then, yeah, AD just hits that shot on the buzzer. And, you know, credit to AD, but it would have been nice to see the Lakers lose that game. But now we're staring at a 2-0 lead for them in the Western Conference Finals, and they should be walking their way to another championship, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, tough, mate, tough. But um, unfortunately <laughs> for us, uh, for us Bulls fans specifically, we don't like to see the Lakers win. But getting back to our Bulls, uh, whilst the Lakers are out here potentially winning titles, we're talking draft picks. And obviously the Bulls have the number four pick. I'm thinking that it might come down to Killian Hayes 
or Denny of D. Obviously, that could change come November, whenever the hell the draft will be. We'll see what happens. But you have your own YouTube channel where you do some NBA draft prep work. You go into deep evaluations about these players, and you've done videos on Killian Hayes and Denny of D, amongst a bunch of others as well. But they're the two that I wanted to focus on today. So given that you've gone into that prep work, you've done a lot more than I certainly have, I'm probably more comfortable asking the questions about these players, and you're probably more about better position to, to give me some answers, I suppose. And um, for me, most certainly, but even the, even the listeners as well who maybe aren't draft heads, let's say, um, and they want to know more about these guys, obviously, that's why I've got you on. So who do you want to start with first? Do you want to start with Killian Hayes or do you want to start with Denny? What, what, what's more applicable? Um, I think that Denny is probably more applicable to okay. the bull situation. Cool, cool. Well, let's start with Denny. Uh, for those, and let's just go really deep into this and, and potentially maybe start with you know, let's just assume people don't know who Denny is. They don't know who his background is, maybe how he plays, his weaknesses, strengths, all that sort of stuff. So maybe just give us a quick overview of who Denny of Deer is, where he's coming from, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and how his potential fit on the Bulls just may shape up. All right. So, so Denny of Deer is a six foot nine uh, wing. You know, he'll slide between the three and four at the NBA level, can handle the rock a little bit, make plays out of the pick and roll. Um, you know, he on the surface, he gets compared to Luca a lot, but he's not really a Luca like prospect. Obviously, if he was, he'd probably be a no brainer number one. Um, but, you know, he's to me one of the, the guys in this draft that I look at and I go, who could be on the floor in a playoff game? You know, there's so many guys that kind of fit the same type of mold that he has where he has a bunch of different skills he's got the size to go through multiple positions defend multiple positions and you know I look at the the heat series I look at the Celtics and I look at you know just all of the good teams and go you know this is a guy I could envision being on the floor at the end of a playoff game um so he's 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 really interesting he's got a a ton of um really solid international um success already from FIBA tournaments to playing in the Euro League, which, you know, if you're not familiar with the Euro League, it's probably the second best uh, basketball league in the world. And, um, you know, he was a guy at a young age who's getting legitimate minutes on uh, on his team. So he's really, really intriguing, obviously not without his warts, which I'm sure we'll, we'll you know, dive into. But, uh, you know, to me, he also kind of embodies that unselfish, you know, works really hard, just just the kind of guy that, um, you know, Chicago fans would would really take to. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that high level overview of, of what his game is. And, and, and I just find the perception around Denny and just the general narrative around Denny kind of interesting because you have some Bulls fans that are completely in on him. They think he's the, the, the small uh, small forward of the future, let's say, maybe in part because he's um, said some um, some positive things about the Chicago Bulls in the past, so maybe that's why some fans are all in on him already. But then you've got some fans who uh, can feel completely differently where they look at his three-point percentages or his three-point stroke and obviously those free-throw percentages as well, given yeah. the fact that he's you know, only shooting 60% from the line or somewhere close to that a lot of a lot of people are put off by that wondering if he can ever develop a reliable jump shot from deep in the NBA and I think you know they're all credible concerns I suppose but just the the golf or, or the spectrum that exists with Danny and how people generally feel about him at this point is kind of interesting and I, and I do wonder if somewhere in the middle is more applicable so maybe we can go on that in, in terms of his shooting stroke given that that's probably the main the main concern or the, the primary concern that people bring up with Danny in terms of the fact that you know he's a 60% free throw shooter his three-point percentages 
don't blow you away. And, you know, obviously that's a, it's a key skill to have, particularly as a three or four coming into the league. So how much faith do you put in Denny being able to buy into that jump shot or figuring out that jump shot? And, and how much stock should we be putting into that poor free throw shooting percentage? Yeah. So the, as far as the jump shot's concerned, it has never been something that I worried about. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times when I'm breaking down these prospects, I'm watching the games before I even really, you know, go and look at their stats. And just watching him on the court, you never would look at him and be like, oh, this is a guy I want to leave open. I feel comfortable just letting him stand at the three-point line and shoot. You know, I think as soon as he steps foot on an NBA court, you know, I don't think the scouting reports are going to say leave him alone. Um, So to me, just based on his form, what I see, you know, out of that, I, that never concerned me. Then you take into account after the break, he came back and, um, you know, it really looked like he worked on it. He he changed all the little, you know, imperfections in the shot. He, you know, it's a little bit more upright, less hunched over. Uh, it's very consistent. He's always hopping into it the same way. You know, to me, it's, it's a very, very... Uh, strong possibility that he continues to improve it and and um you know a lot of times you know teams will will close out on him really hard and he has the ability to put the ball on the floor from there so if if he didn't have the ability to shoot teams wouldn't close hard on him they'd let him shoot and you know once he gives you a pump fake he's able to you know get in a straight line make plays for other people so to me the shot not so much to worry about free throw shooting again i the form to me is there so what is it? Is it a mental thing? Is it the fact that he really just didn't shoot a ton of them because, you know, he's a younger prospect who was playing minutes on a really good team and he just, the role he had, he wasn't a high in a high usage role where he attacked the hoop too much. I think he's going to improve on it. I, I don't think he's going to be Shaquille O'Neal, Andre Drummond um, at the free throw line. And uh, at this point, I don't think he's going to be shooting at the volume that really concerns me. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's got time to improve on all of the shooting woes. His mechanics are good. That has never been a concern for me. I have other concerns, but his shooting to me, while I understand it, if, you know, you're watching his tape and then you go look at the percentages and say, oh, you know, low 30s at the three-point line, the shooting, I get why you, why somebody would be concerned, but for me, it's it's not a worry. Yeah, I think that's all fair because like, well, when you do watch his YouTube clip or his tapes of, of games, whatever it might be, he doesn't look like someone who's a, a 33% shooter or someone that steps to the line and shoots 59, 60% from the free throw line. That It's it's weird in that sense. So you, you wonder if it's something mental to your point, like he only averaged two, two free throws a game. So is it just a small sample issue? Maybe, maybe not. It, it's an interesting question, but generally... I understand why people have the concerns because free throw percentage is generally a good ind- indicator about how good a player is more generally about, you know, their general uh, shooting ability, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it, it's just an interesting case. He, he's, a, he's a good test case in that sense about how he projects versus those normal uh, those normal guides or triggers that we look for. But he, to your point, I think his form does look reasonable. But even though those percentages are as bad as what they may be, you would expect someone to have a really wonky looking job sh- uh, jump shot or free throw sh- uh, technique, but he, he doesn't really have that. So it's, it's a curious case. We'll see how it all plays out. But Beyond the shooting, do you have any other concerns with with Denny's game and and how he projects as an NBA player? Yeah, so um, the thing that I'm 
most concerned about. And you can go back and, you know, look at some of the, the videos on the YouTube channel. Uh, I've done two. I did one, which was basically just one game um, when he came back, when, you know, the basketball came back um, in the Israeli league. And then I did a full on like 10 game sample size. And uh, in both videos, you know, what I was looking for is, can he go left? He's very right-hand dominant, which is also going to be a, uh, a theme that we see when we talk about Killian Hayes later, just with the opposite hand. He, he's very right-hand dominant. He loves going right, and when he can get to his right, he's very good at making plays out of it. When he's going left, he's much less confident. He gets a little sloppy, and even if he has an open lane, he'll typically pull it back. Um and kind of restart the possession. So for me, you know, I think it, at the NBA level, defenses are are very sophisticated, and they're going to try to push him to his weak hand, and they're going to cut off, you know, the right hand, almost similar to you know Lonzo Ball when he had that weird looking shot. It was hard for him to come off going right off a screen and get into his jumper because of how his shot was. So teams knew that if they just keep him away from that spot, he can't really be a threat. So that is my main concern with Denny is how much can he improve that left hand? Um, now he's a tremendously hard worker and you see that and just in the improvements he's made over the last few months. Um, so I, can he get there? I, I think he could. He's, he's very fluid. He's confident with his handle. He just needs to get the, the left up to par. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. And look, that's that's why I got you on the to get that sort of detail because, look, I'll 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 admit that I haven't watched games. I've only necessarily just watched clips and those sorts of things. And maybe it's those sorts of aspects of someone's game that you don't typically tip up, uh, pick up on if you're just watching, you know, five minute clips here yeah. and there sort of thing. So that <laughs> that, that is certainly interesting to note. I guess the other question I had around Denny was just his general playmaking ability. Because again, if I step back and and, and go back to what I referenced before, where um, the spectrum or, or the perception of Denny, and maybe it's got to do with some Lucas stuff here, the fact that you got a bit of a playmaking wing coming from abroad. Some Bills fans maybe are looking at Denny <laughs> as maybe not a Luca clone, but as, as a forward that can step in and maybe run the offense. But yeah. I don't necessarily see that level of playmaking, but I wanted to get your thoughts on just his general playmaking ability, how that maybe transfers into the NBA. And is he ever going to be good enough to be anything more than a secondary or tertiary creator in the NBA? Not if he can't get that left hand um, yeah. up to par. He does have that kind of vision. Uh, yeah. Honestly, he does. He, you know, he'll come off a screen. He'll, you know, one hand live dribble, uh, you know, whip pass to the weak side corner, transition, threading the needle from three quarters court. Like he, le- he has legitimately good vision and his height at six, nine, you know, rumors that he's still growing lends itself to, you know, even when a team will blitz him off the pick and roll, he's able to see over the defense and make plays. So he does have that kind of vision. Obviously not Luka vision. Luka is a generational talent. So if if we're looking at Luka because of the things you said, international Mm -hmm. prospect, you know, temper your expectations because you'll be disappointed. But he definitely has the kind of vision and playmaking ability to make very high level reads. And, you know, when you're looking at in the context of you're playing with Kobe white, Zach Levine, who aren't exactly, you know, the best playmakers themselves, a guy like him fits really, really well, especially positionally, because, you know, who knows what our, our small forward position is going to be looking like in the future. And, um, and he is also a guy that if you wanted to slide him up, he can, you know, make plays, as a four playing with, you know, either Laurie or, or Wendell. So he, he has that kind of vision, but again, how good is that vision going to be? 
if he's predictable in in what side of the court he can make plays out of. Yeah, that's a really good point. Obviously, he needs to expand his offensive game off the bounce, as you sort of mentioned, that ability to go with both hands and obviously the shot as well. So that will dictate how good he can be as a playmaker. But I just wonder if his playmaking ability will be better suited on a team like the Hawks, let's say, where they've already got their primary creator in place in Trey Young versus Chicago, where he can maybe walk into the Bulls and pretty quickly be one of the best passers on the team, if not the best passer with, you know, with Wendell Carter type thing, where I kind of feel like the Bulls need that primary creator to allow Kobe White and Zach Levine to play off, off that type of player. Like to me, they're almost a Jamal Murray player and they need their version of Jokic. And I, I just, I think there's a, a theory out there or a feel from some Bulls fans that maybe Danny can come in and maybe run the offense to a degree and have, Jamal, uh, not Jamal, uh, Kobe White and Zach Levine sort of play off him as the secondary characters. I don't see that level of creation ability with Denny, but on a team like the Hawks, for example, where he can sort of be that second or third creator, then that makes more functional sense, I guess. No, I I, I think you're right. Um, you know, ideally, that's the position you want to you would want to be in um, if you were a team looking at Denny. I think that expecting a rookie, even though he he's going to have professional uh, experience already it, it's a lot NBA basketball is hard so any rookie that comes in to expect them to just carry the load with a bunch of guys that ideally want to take a next step you know that's a lot to expect out of them it's it's very rare that rookies can come in and do that in the future it's possible I, you know if, if you go back and you watch uh him with his the Israeli team where he pretty much is the lead ball handler he does have those games where he's at seven eight nine assists um but again, you know, the, you know, those tournaments aren't exactly a one-to-one comparison to NBA basketball, especially, again, he's going to be a, a 19, 20-year-old rookie coming in. So the fit concern is there if we're expecting him to come in and kind of play point guard because, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that's what you would be looking for if you were interested in selecting Denny of Dia. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. And I, I guess the other question I have more more broadly about Denny is what position is he? I mean, we can talk about you know, his skills and maybe those, a lot of those skills are transferable across multiple positions. And it seems like he can play multiple positions, particularly in the in the front court, be it small forward or power forward. But the more I watch Denny, the more I watch the league and where the league is going itself, I kind of view him more as a four than a small forward myself. I, I know some people disagree with that. Obviously, like I mentioned, a lot of Bulls fans see the gap that, that will be at small forward with the Bulls maybe after this season, after Otto Porter walks. We assume that's going to happen. How yeah. he met, he, uh, Denny could slot in at small forward given the, the, the fact that Chandler Hutchinson and Otto Porter have been so injury prone. So I understand why people see him as that small forward of the future. The fact that the Bulls have Levine and, and Kobe in the backcourt, obviously Larry and, and Wendell up front. But I kind of view him more of as a, as a four, particularly in this modern NBA and, I saw I was sort of positing on the last podcast that I did that maybe Denny almost forces you to take a look at the the future of Larry Marketing because if Denny can be developed into a into a power power forward of source given he's six foot nine two hundred and fifteen pounds he's big enough to play forward but I, I thought I'd get your opinion what where do you see Denny sort of playing from a positional sense do you think it really matters at this point where is he best placed in the NBA. Yeah, I think he could play three or four. I personally think he's a three when he comes in. Um, his measurements are, I, I believe they're like almost identical to Jason Tatum. Um, you know, I, I think he's got like a tiny bit 
um, less of a uh, of a wingspan, but it's it's pretty similar. So just size wise, he, he's he's close there. And then you know if you look at Boston as an example, if we're gonna use Tatum size, like is Tatum the small forward or is he the power forward when Gordon Hayward's on the floor? Is, is Gordon Hayward really a power forward? Is he a small forward? Because you know Denny is kind of. Gordon Hayward ish, you know, not prime, yeah. not prime Gordon Hayward ish, but mm-hmm. you know, post injury, kind of Boston Celtics trying to find his way, creates a little bit off the bounce, makes plays, you know, kind of it can be high usage, but also you know, you, you put him off the ball. He's he's very similar in that regard. So if you're looking at it from you know a positionless basketball perspective, like yeah, he might play and guard some some power forward, but he definitely could be a full-time small forward. You know, I I know a lot of people uh, probably are going to look at him and be like, oh, you know, are are there defensive concerns? You know, is he going to be able to keep up with NBA threes? And, and uh, yeah, I think he is. I I think he's, he's an underrated defender. Um, He's a very, very smart off ball help team defender. So, you know, to me, the, the size position thing, it's all about the defensive end, you know, uh, defensive side of the ball, as far as, you know, all that stuff goes. So if he can defend threes, which I believe he can, then I don't really think it matters because he's going to be sliding up and down the scale on the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, they're all good points. And yeah, look, whilst I'm not obviously as versed on these prospects as yourself, um, I, these are the sorts of things that I start asking myself, like where where does he fit in? Where's the shape of this roster go? And I start asking these questions, particularly when we're looking at the playoffs. And, and you know, you mentioned Gordon Haywood. I think that's a really good comparison in terms of the type of athlete, the type of body that Denny will have in the NBA. He's probably a little bit taller, maybe will grow a little bit more as well. But, uh, you know, the Celtics closed. Well, I don't know if they closed the game, but they certainly ran a fourth quarter lineup where they didn't have any big man on at all. They literally had their five best players, which is obviously Kemba Smart, Tatum, um, Tatum Brown and Gordon Hayward now that he's back so in that sense to your point like is, is Hayward playing three is he playing four how is he even playing some five <laughs> yeah, so right. uh, Denny does have that ability I guess to play multiple positions and he is a good defender it seems I, I do question his lateral quickness maybe to a degree so maybe that pushes me more to that being, being a power forward and maybe in certain matchups being the three like if, if Jeremy Grant for example is playing small forward then yeah I guess Denny could play some three in that situation. But the more I watch Denny, the more I get my head around it, the more I sort of maybe talk myself into that shot, I'm I'm, I'm getting to the point where I would be quietly confident or content with Denny as the number four pick. Would you feel similarly? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've been a a huge fan of Denny. He was the second prospect that um, I broke down in video this season. And, uh, you know, I, I fell in love with his game. Uh, as soon as I watched him. So for me, I didn't think that possibly, you know, have a shot at him because I didn't think we were, the Bulls had a chance to move up. I was already fully ingrained that we were going to have the seventh pick for, for the fourth yeah. year in a row. So when yeah. we moved and up... For, and for good reason. <laughs> yeah. And when we, so when we moved up, um, I was like, wow, like this is a real thing. And uh, I know for a fact that the Bulls do like Denny. You know, there were two teams um, even before the lottery that I heard, you know, were interested in, which was the Warriors and the Bulls. And uh, now that the Bulls are actually in a position possibly to select him, you know, things things have definitely gotten more interesting. I don't know where if he's, you know, number one on their board, but at number four, unless there's a trade up or trade back, he's definitely, I think, you know, one of the more viable options. 
Yeah, it's, it's, good. it's interesting that you mentioned the Warriors there because I was reading something today. I, I, I can't remember the source, but apologies for that. But that the, the Warriors are potentially considering Denny at number two. Now, who knows if they truly feel that way, if that's maybe a leverage play to maybe trade off their pick, which is certainly in play, I, I would imagine. That's going to be an interesting situation for the Bulls if Denny does go in their sort of top two or top three, which then leads us into a situation where he's off the board. Maybe Lamello's off the board. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Killian Hayes off the off the board. Who knows? But yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how other teams view Denny and if he's even there available to, at number four. I'm assuming he will be, but that may not be the case at all. So maybe the Bulls won't even have their chance to get Denny. We'll we'll, we'll certainly see. I want to <laughs> I want to continue talking about the draft and and what the Bulls potentially could do at number four, moving and transitioning away to Killian Hayes. But before we do that, let's tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First up, let me tell you about Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You had to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Just like they have for 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30. I also want to tell you all about Bet Online. Folks, the wait is finally over. Football is officially back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the show now. We just got done talking about Denny of Deer in more detail, Bulls fans, so hopefully you're a little bit more versed in who Denny is, what he can do, but I also wanted to talk about Killian Hayes and obviously Corey Tulliver is here to help me do that. Corey, what are your thoughts more generally about Killian Hayes? Again, he's the other option that Bulls fans are seemingly sort of swinging between. There's, there's certainly the, the Denny faction, so to speak. There's those of us that think Killian Hayes is the right option at number four. What do you make about Killian Hayes as a prospect? Yeah, uh, you know, Killian's definitely interesting. He's intriguing, especially if you go to YouTube and you watch a highlight mix. Because you watch a highlight mix, he looks like a cross of, you know, James Harden and D'Angelo Russell. But for me, and look, this is clearly not 
a bad thing because the guy I'm about to compare him to is having a monster playoffs where I think he's more of like a Goran Dragic type of player. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, obviously the left hand kind of plays into that a little bit. But, you know, he's a guy who at his age, again, playing internationally in a professional league is a very good playmaker. You know, he makes that same kind of, you know, swing pass to the weak side. He can find multiple options out of the pick and roll. It doesn't always have to be the first option. He knows where all his players are going to makes guys better. Um, The shot making. The footwork is really impressive and intriguing, um, but again, he's another guy. You look at some of the percentages and you go, well, uh, I, I, it, it looks good, but I guess it doesn't go in as much as I see. Yeah. Um, but there's a passiveness to him that, you know, it, I, I don't love out of what I feel you need out of that point guard spot. You know, he doesn't necessarily have that kind of alpha dog mentality, which is, you know, look, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but from the point guard spot, you know, it's also not the best thing. You kind of want a guy who is out there talking a lot, pointing things out. Like you look at a guy like Rondo it, it, for the Lakers right now and He's out there yapping all the time, basically playing, you know, quarterback out there for the team. And he came back and he made a big difference. I don't know if I see that that same kind of quality in Killian. Um, And then, you know, he has a few other weaknesses that kind of get, you know, put in the in the back burner when you're just watching his highlight reel. Um, And there's a lot of what I feel kind of misinformation out there because there's a lot of people I think aren't really watching his full games. They're hard to find. And, you know, I'll I'll look at the scouting report that I read on him. The first sentence will be like, talk about how he's a good finisher. And I go, all right, well, this person didn't watch him because he's not. He's he doesn't have good touch uh, around the hoop. He he's not a a, a leaper. So, you know, he's going to have a really hard time with, you know, NBA length. He's not really quick. He doesn't have a quick first step, but he's crafty um, and, and he's a fine player. You know, if the if the Bulls did go to seven, I would have been happy with him at seven. Uh, at four, I kind of feel like he's a bit of a reach. And, you know, from from the guys that I've talked to, NBA front offices are not really as high on him as the Internet is. Yeah, look, that was going to literally be my next question. And, and it's very similar into the Denny situation where, the the conversation or the spectrum about Denny is all over the place. You've got people that are super high on him, some that just don't see it at all. And it kind of feels similarly like that conversation almost is is, is um projectable onto Killian Hayes to a degree because it seems like a lot of draft Twitter, let's say, are really in on Killian Hayes. Some having some have even having being the best player in this specific draft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mocking him as high as number one. But then to your point, there's been reports and, and rumors that certain NBA front offices sort of see him as a late lottery pick type thing, somewhere in the 10, 11, 12 range, maybe even a little bit back from that. So his stock, I suppose, is kind of all over the place. Maybe it's because of the fact that he's an international like Denny as well. So the two players we are focusing on are internationals. Obviously, uh, a tourist kind of show us has that international, uh, I guess, pedigree. He has he's the connects overseas. So maybe that's why, again, subconsciously, I'm thinking about these two players. But yeah, it's just interesting that Killian's sort of all over the place in terms of how people feel about him. But do you think that has to do with um, the fact that he's just sort of been hidden to a degree overseas and we just haven't, or at least for someone like me, I haven't seen that much of him? Yeah, you know, for sure. If he was, you know, on TV like Cole Anthony was, you know, I don't think there would be as as much enthusiasm about him. 
Um, but because his full games are hard to find and there's just his YouTube clips are pretty much highlights and his highlights are like pretty high because he, he's, you know, he makes really high re- uh, level reads and he can hit step back jumpers and sidesteps and stuff that, you know, you look at and go, oh, wow, that's super advanced. If he's doing that now, imagine the shot maker he's going to be, you know, in, in five years. You add to that, he's a point guard who's got, you know, pretty good size and, and length and strength. And to his credit, he is a, a, a pretty good defender. Uh, and I, I think he's going to be very good um, in the NBA on that side of the ball. But, uh, you know, there's just things about him, you know, like his, his handle, like we talked with Denny, like this kid can't go right. Like he, I don't know if he dribbled the ball with his right hand one time the entire season, you know, like, and, you know, for Denny at, you know, uh, a wing position, that's probably a little bit less of an issue than it is for your Mm. point guard. Um, When your point guard is initiating, you know, hopefully the majority of your sets and trying to create, that's a tough thing to deal with. Now he is a lefty. Uh, so, you know, I personally, I always think lefties have a little bit of an advantage because there's a few possessions before, uh, the defender goes, oh, wait, I got to play this guy to the other side. So he, you know, I think a lot of times that kind of helped him, but he just can't go, he can't go right. And, you know, a lot of his step backs are predictable because, you know, when he is going that direction, he's about to go into a step back, um, which is again, going back to Lonzo Ball, (laughs) the same kind of thing. You knew if he went left, He's going to go into a step back. So, you know, there's there are just things about Killian that every time I watched him, I go, I want to like him. I want to be in on this guy because, you know, on the surface, when you talk about his strengths and especially from a Bulls perspective of what they, you know, what they need, you go, oh, this guy sounds like the perfect guy. But then, you know, I watch his game film and I'm like, why don't I like him more? You know, and he's just yeah. is a little bit underwhelming for me. Yeah, I kind of feel the same. Like, theoretically... You know, having an on-ball player like like someone like Hayes hopefully can project, project into being. And I mean, they're, they're the big obvious needs that the Bulls have, obviously. Someone to be that primary creator or an elite wing of some sort. So, I mean, the Bulls are obviously nowhere near complete. They, they just need a talent upgrade. But seemingly the biggest holes is some sort of creation in the backcourt. We've talked about Kobe White and Zach Levine probably being better finishers of players, not necessarily creators of players, most certainly for others at least. And obviously the hole on the wing, but so I get I guess that is why I lean Hayes because theoretically if he does max out then maybe he can be that option that the Bulls truly do need and you know we're seeing in the playoffs at the moment that without that really half court creator the primary guy let's say that can create for himself but more importantly particularly if the Bulls do continue to build around Larry Market and Wendell Carter guys who are highly assisted players the Bulls do need that primary option who can sort of get those big men the ball. I lean Hayes for that reason, but to your point as well, I'm I'm not overly confident about the whole thing. So, but I mean, assuming he can sort of figure out the ability to go right, maybe if he puts on some more size, he's a he's a pretty slight six five. He does look a little bit more jacked in, in some recent photos that I have seen of him. So maybe that will, will come good. But assuming he can correct some of these things, maybe the catch and shoot three point shot gets a little bit better and his three point percentage lifts a bit. Do you think his passing chops are good enough to be a primary creator at all, or is he more of a is he more someone that could slot in, slot in as a, a a really nice secondary creator? Someone like you know, I just wonder if he'll be best placed in a situation like Phoenix, where you can have Devin Booker be on the ball, he can be the lead creator, and then you have someone Killian Hayes of his size six five put him put him next to, next to Devin Booker. Does that make more sense for him in somewhere like Phoenix rather than? somewhere like Chicago where he's going to be sort of thrust into that league creation role 
to a degree. Oh, I definitely think he has the passing chops and the vision to okay. be a lead creator. And um, I mean, <laughs> you know, talk about Phoenix. That if you know he did go in that, I think they have like the tenth pick. But as far as Chicago, you know, theoretically, he he also does fit pretty well. And you know, look, Zach looks like he put on some weight. I, I know we love off season uh, photos. You know, he could slide to the three a little bit. Kobe White's six five. He could slide, you know, up to the two. And you put another guy at six five at point guard. All of a sudden, you know, your team's not playing small by any means. He definitely fits either guy. Um, if one of those guys were coming off the bench, uh, I'm assuming Kobe White in that scenario. If if Killian ended up being the guy to start at point guard. He's got the passing chops. He does. And he does really fun stuff with his eyes where, you know, he'll look off to another teammate and then, you know, the the pass is going in the opposite direction. So, he, you know, he's playing little crafty tricks that are fun to watch from a kid his age. So I, I, I'm confident he's going to be a good playmaker for sure. Uh, and if he gets, you know, the, the handling down, that that opens up so many possibilities, you know, if he can become a decent to good finisher around the hoop and if he can figure out how to make himself a viable uh, threat with his right hand, he's going to be very, very good. And then you start understanding why these guys have him as high as they do. It's just if you were to take him, you know, number one, number two you're now looking at expectations where this guy better be an all-star. You know, the the further down you get, the more you can slide him into a role that I think he's more suited for, which is, yeah, this guy might be able to make a couple of all-star teams in his career, but, I, you know, that'll be, you know, cake. This guy is a piece, not the piece. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. But I, I guess my other main concern and, and wanted to get your thoughts on this with, with Killian Hayes was his free throw drawing ability. And maybe this speaks to the fact that he's a smaller, younger guard playing in a, in a, in a professional league. Maybe it also speaks to the fact that he doesn't necessarily have that right hand that you alluded to, but his free throw rate is a bit of a concern, similarly to Denny. I mean, they just don't get to the line much. And unlike Denny, though, he, he hits it at a nice clip at, you know, 87, 87 yeah. 88%, something like that. So you, you know, when he does get there, he will finish it off. But I guess the concern is, can he get there? And when you couple Killian Hayes, with maybe less so Zach Levine because he's he certainly took a leap into in his ability to get to the line this season, but certainly Kobe White wasn't great in terms of drawing fouls. Do you think that you know you'd be doubling down on that sort of aspect? The Bulls would have a lot of guys who would be sort of perimeter threats, maybe jump shooting threats, but maybe not enough. I uh, know not enough an ability to get to the line. That, that's another concern that I have with with Hayes. Is that justified or is that something that that could be easily fixed? What, what are your thoughts? It's definitely justified. Uh, you know, Killian is the type of guy when he attacks the hoop where he's not looking for contact. You know, he's a guy who tries to go, you know, up and under, around, uh, you know, definitely not in the same way that Derrick Rose did. But you you remember how Derrick would always yeah. con- contort his body, try to avoid the contact. I was literally thinking Derrick <laughs> when you said that. I'm like, oh, I like Derrick Rose, but I'm glad to hear that yeah, not it, like Derrick Rose. Yeah, definitely differently because he can't jump like Derrick Rose yeah, can. <laughs> yeah. um, but almost like, you know, Kyrie Irving's another guy who, who plays low to the ground and he does all these crafty finishes. You know, he's not necessarily, you know, finishing through contact. Uh, but the problem is, is that he doesn't have the touch that a guy like Kyrie does. So, you know, the the low f- free throw rate, along with the fact that, you know, he's not really great around the hoop as a finisher, 
is what's concerning to me. If he was a great finisher around the hoop, and hey, maybe when he gets stronger, uh, as most people do as they get older, and and he gets on an NBA level, you know, program training program, um, maybe he'll start going into the contact more. Especially, you know, he's six five. He needs to. He's got to use that size to his advantage. Um, but yeah, he avoids contact uh, straight up. And and again, you know, he's only going to his left side. He's not going to the hoop when he gets to the right. So he's predictable. You know, he, it's easy to meet him at the hoop when you know what side he's going to go on. So, you know, there are things that he definitely has to iron out and fix if if he's going to be that that guy that he looks like in his highlight tape. Mm-hmm. No, fair, fair play. And I, I guess the other... I guess open question that I have around Hayes is how much is he sort of being vaulted up certain mock boards and certain perceptions by obviously certain people um, because of this specific draft and the fact that there aren't a lot of point guards in this draft. I mean, it's 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 wing heavy. There's definitely always going to be bigs like there always are, but there seems to be a lot more sort of wing sort of perimeter type players in this draft than say traditional sort of point guards, guys that can sort of play the one position, maybe swing up to two. So I, I do wonder if if Hayes is maybe vaulting up some draft boards because of that fact and the fact that you know Lamelo ball is probably the the best guard option in this draft if he goes one or two then it's in, in, inside that sort of top 10 range there's not a lot of other point guard options that may be available to teams so in that sense is Killian benefiting from that yeah probably you know there, <laughs> like you said I, I think there are a lot of wings because right now that's kind of like in vogue. You know, everybody's looking for that next, you know, swing man who's going to be able to be a multiple multiple position player, um, positionless basketball, all that. So the fact that he is, you know, the playmaking point guard and there's a lot of people who question LaMelo Ball. I'm one of them. Um, he's more of like the safer version of LaMelo. Like, you know, he almost has a safer floor. Uh, than a mm-hmm. guy like Lamelo does because mm-hmm. Killian can fit into an offense in a way that yeah. a guy like Lamelo can't. You know, you kind of yeah. you have to give Lamelo the keys. Um, if yeah, you try sure. to just make him a- another guy, he's he, he's gonna fail a- as a prospect. Um, where Killian, you can kind of do that. He he'll fit in. He'll be a team player. Um, so I definitely think he's he's in that regard that's helped him. I, I think, like you said, some people have put him in certain spots on mock drafts. You know. Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer had him at number one as his, his number one overall prospect. Um, so I think that kind of jumped the hype train because, you know, you see a guy like that with a platform like that. It's easy to go. All right. I can get behind this guy, too, because this guy said it. So that's definitely helped as far as, you know, the point guards in this draft. I actually love so many of the point guards in the draft. It's just they're 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 older and they're more guys that you would get in the back end of the first round, maybe in the second round. Um but in that first round area, especially, you know, where the Bulls are picking, yeah, there, there's not a ton of options because a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, you know, to me, I, he's like maybe 15, 16 on my board, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just aren't a, a lot of other options uh, in that regard unless you just feel like absolutely swinging for the fences and taking RJ Hampton way before anybody else, you know, would ever consider it. Yeah, I, I, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I sort of I question that about Halliburton too. I mean, he's probably my favorite prospect, not necessarily for number four, but just more generally the way he plays. I, I'm a sucker for his, for his game style, and who knows if it, trans, it translates into the NBA. But I, I sort of could make the same case for him that he's maybe being jumped up mock boards because of the fact that it's just not many point guards in this specific draft. 
maybe Kyra Lewis or someone like that, but is he really worth the number four pick? Probably not. So there's just, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of point guard options. So I guess that is why another concern in my head. I always look at this sort of situation or the draft and I just wonder who benefits from the, the, you know, the available players that play certain positions in specific drafts. And I just wonder if Hayes maybe, maybe benefits from that and the fact that obviously he's an on-ball player. That's obviously the rage in the NBA at the moment. The more on-ball players you can have on your hands, the more playmakers, creators you can get on the court at the same time. Obviously that, that is a super benefit for teams as we're seeing at this point. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. I, to be to be perfectly honest, I have no idea. Assuming Killian Hayes and Denny of Deer were both available at number four, I have no idea who I would pick in that situation. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have that choice to make. But assuming you were AK in that particular situation, both are on the board. Do you lean Hayes or do you go Denny? I would personally go Denny. Okay, and and, and what would be your your reasoning for that as to swing for Denny more so than Killian? I just think that he's a better player. Um, I think he's going to be more impactful. I think, you know, he kind of plays at a different intensity. Um, I like his size. I like his versatility. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that he is a higher ceiling player if he reaches his, um, which not to say that Killian's not Killian has a very high ceiling as well. I just see, you know, Denny reaching it more so than I would, Killian. And if they don't hit their ceilings, I also think, you know, Denny kind of has a higher floor. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if they're both there or if only one of them's there, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be mad if either guy are selected by AK on draft night. I, I would be, I would be fine with either of these guys. There are guys that I would not be happy with, um, at the, the bull spot, but either of those guys, I'm totally cool with it. Personally, I would go Denny. Yeah, cool. I like. I really like the the Dragic comparison that you've made for Hayes. I think that's a pretty reasonable comparison, and certainly an achievable comparison as well. It doesn't yeah. seem completely remote. Maybe maybe a little bit now, given how good Dragoran has been at age 35. But I mean. <laughs> I think Hayes could potentially get there and I kind of view Denny as a bigger Batum. So in that sense, you're getting two borderline all-star players, two very high-level role players, so to speak, who on any given night could be the best player on the floor, but more typically are probably slot into that second or third type option. And that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. And I don't see either of these guys projecting into stars or anything like that. But I mean, that's just my personal view. But do you think there's any chance, uh, I guess, blossoming into something more and becoming... An all-star level player. I think all-star, you know, probably like a, a two to three time all-star is probably the album, yeah. you know, with, with Denny in particular, you know, for Bulls fans as a comparison, I, I kind of think he's like a, a modern day Andres Nocioni. He shares a lot of similarities, except he's a better okay. playmaker. So if, you know, if you're mm-hmm. a fan of Noach and and the way that he played with the, the fire, the intensity, um, especially when Noach, you know, started shooting more threes, I, I think you're going to, you're going to be really happy with a guy like Denny. Um, you know, the the one thing with the Dragic comparison that is kind of missing from Killian's game, because stylistically it's there, and that's the comparison that that I like to use, but Dragic is so fiery. He plays with so much passion, and then that's the yeah. thing that Killian is missing. I think if Killian played like that, he would be a guy that you'd be like, oh, he's a no-brainer number four guy, maybe a top three guy, but you know, it, that that's the part of his game that's missing. And sometimes that's a big part. Um, but who knows, maybe he gets to the NBA, he gets, he, you know, he, he grows into himself. 
we're when we're 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, you're not who you're going to be, you know, yeah, in life, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he, he could grow, you know, in confidence and, and skills and all that, um, as a person, as much as he can as a basketball player. So, uh, yeah, but, but I, I think that Bulls fans would be happy to have either. I think they both fit onto the Bulls roster as currently constructed. And I think they both have skill sets that lend itself to if, you know, the Eversley and AK decide that they want to start trading guys and build in a different direction. They both have skill sets that will fit with, you know, multiple other kinds of, of team builds and, and players. Yeah, cool. So I guess my last question then, Corey, and, and the more I think about this, I kind of wonder, you know, what the hell do we do if both of these guys are not even available at number four? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought we'd set this up by by talking about Hayes, by talking about Denny, because that's who the fan base is more specifically talking about. Yeah, These sorts of players are sort of mocked in that sort of four, five, six range. But again, we're sort of six, seven weeks out from the draft. Well, who, who the hell knows? Maybe the draft date moves again, depending what goes on. But in a situation where teams get closer to the draft, they look, they, they go through a combine of sorts, maybe a virtual combine. They learn more about these specific players. They have interviews with these players. Is there a chance? Well, I, I think there is a chance that Killian Hayes and Denny are sort of in that two and three range, maybe with Lamelo. What the hell do you do in that situation? If you know, we've just we just got done talking about Killian Hayes, Denny, <laughs> Denny of Deer for the last forty five minutes, but there's there's a chance that neither of them are available to the Bulls. And I guess my last question would be, what the hell do you do in that situation? All right, so to me, it's that's that's good problems, and honestly, I think that's an easy fix. If if Denny and Killian both go, and and let's say that Lamelo is also one of the other guy that goes in the top three, that leaves you with you know Anthony Edwards and a guy like James Wiseman. And to me. You take either of them and you run. Um, they are the one and two players on my board. I know that you know a guy like James Wiseman, who's a center. Centers aren't valuable anymore, and we have Wendell. We love him. If he's there, and you know there are other guys that we like that are gone, and AK likes him the most, take him. You figure it out later. Anthony Edwards, you know I get it. He's a tough shot maker. You know he was didn't have the best efficiency in the world in college because of the shot selection that he had. It, to me, the talent, the ability, the fit, whatever, you figure that out later. He's, you know, those, I think you take who the best player available at that point. One of those two guys is going to be there. And I think you run away laughing at that point. Fair enough. I've got my concerns about Wiseman, just more just positional wise, but, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But maybe I should do some more some more uh, scouting of my yeah, own look, on, Ed, on Edwards and Wiseman. It's not a, uh, with Wiseman, it's not a popular opinion. I, I promise yeah, you. Yeah. I think anybody <laughs> listening to this and be like, what, what is this guy talking about? I think I got to disregard <laughs> the last 45 minutes. But, you know, he doesn't have a lot of film to watch. It's like he played three yeah, games yeah, yeah. and he's a center, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But to me, uh, he's a basketball player. I wrote on my, on my website a big uh, article about him and, and why I buy into his talent um, over somebody like Anyeka Kungwu, who's the hot name, who gets compared to Bam Adebayo, um, yeah. kind of compared it to the Dwight Howard, Mecca Okafor draft, where, you know, if you would have went by college resume, you would have taken Okafor 100 times out of 100. But Dwight Howard's talent, athleticism, body, build was 
something that you can't teach, and that's what I see in Wiseman as well. Um, obviously, the game has changed. Centers are being phased out more and more. But, you know, I think his athleticism and his ability, he'll, he'll be able to stay on the floor uh, a little bit more so than a lot of these other centers because yeah, I buy into his mobility. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> either way, I, I think that the Bulls are going to get a good player in, in that range. Some of these guys have higher risks than others. Some of these guys have higher ceilings than others and, and – uh, but it's going to be interesting. Um, this draft does have very good players in it. Maybe not anybody who will achieve superstardom, but definitely guys who could and could be all NBA players. So uh, it's it's going to be an exciting time if it ever comes. Yeah, yeah. We're assuming it comes in November, but who the hell knows? <laughs> who the hell knows? And who even knows when the next season will be when we actually get to see these guys yeah. put on a Bulls jersey? So, yeah, there's still a lot to happen. But, yeah, maybe I need to dive into a little bit more Wiseman and Anthony Edwards just in case that situation that I mentioned before <laughs> does sort of uh, occur where maybe Killian and, and, and uh, Denny of Deer, who have sort of focused on this podcast, maybe they're not even, even available. So maybe I've got some more prep to do. I can obviously catch you. Uh, I'll definitely jump on your website and check that out. Maybe jump on your YouTube, uh, but maybe you can tell everyone where they can follow you, where they can read your stuff, uh, watch your clips, get, follow you on Twitter, all that sort of stuff. How, how can people get a hold of your uh, content? Um, yeah, you can uh, see everything that I do on hardwoodherald.com. You could follow me on Twitter at hardwoodherald. Uh, my YouTube, just search Hardwood Heralds. You'll get um, all of my scouting breakdowns are there um, for the 2020 draft. Uh, I got a bunch of other stuff that I do. You know, I got a daily NBA show um, that you could find there. Hardwood Herald, wherever you search for stuff, you'll be able to find me. Perfect. And look, I, I can I can vouch for it. I'm not a draft head. I typically do my draft work. I cram it in in the last week or two. Uh, I've obviously had a little bit more time to do that now with COVID. But uh, one of the first clips I watched on both of these players was uh, was your video breakdown of, of both. So I can certainly vouch for that. Go follow Corey's stuff all over the place on Twitter, on, on YouTube, his website, etc. to go and do that. But Corey, look, mate, I do appreciate you coming on and, and, and um, wising me up a little bit, I suppose, on these two prospects. I assume the Bulls will be taking taking one of them but but who the hell knows but um assuming they do uh, i think um you put me in a better place to understand what each player can and can't do so so i appreciate you jumping on and making your bulls hq debut mate yeah hey thank you for having me this was uh you know a ton of fun i am willing to come back and talk about these guys you know whenever you want um this was a lot of fun i love talking about the bulls whenever i can i've been for some reason you know i'm from new york so all my friends are, are Knicks fans. I I just need people to talk Bulls basketball with sometimes. So. <laughs> no, look, I'm from I'm, I'm from Australia. There's not many NBA fans. Well, there are a lot of NBA fans, but um, certainly not my next door neighbor or something like that, where you can just sort of <laughs> go to the water cooler and speak speak Bulls. So I certainly understand what you're saying from that point of view. But maybe one of these days, you know, when basketball does come back, and assuming Killian or Denny or whoever the hell it is is wearing a Bulls jersey, <laughs> maybe once the season's back, we can um, get you back on and, and just get a bit of a review as to how that player is projecting but uh until then mate appreciate you coming on i'll certainly be following your stuff online and i uh i implore the listeners to do the same so yeah thanks again hey thanks for having me perfect thank you to Corey for jumping on the show bulls fans whilst you're out there searching for Corey on his uh youtube twitter etc you can also follow me online too um, on twitter at mk hoops follow the show on twitter too bulls hq pod do all that. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum, you can come and join us. Send me an email, bullshq 
pod at gmail.com. But that just about does it for this episode of the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We went deep on Killian Hayes and Denny of Deer. I'm much more smarter and uh, I know a lot more about these prospects now because of Corey. Hopefully you feel the same. We'll be back later again, maybe later this week, depending on what the Bulls do with their coaching search, but more certainly, most certainly back in the next couple of weeks to talk more draft. But until then, this has been Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in, Bulls fans. Speak very soon. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.